Wolves rack up another win. They do it this time, though, without the help of Anthony Edwards. I got Wolves expert Jack Borman to help me break it all down. And it's coming up next on the Locked On Wolves postcast. You are Locked On Wolves postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Wolves, they moved to 14-4, and 9-1 and one at home now. They take care of business versus the Jazz tonight, and they do it all without the help of Anthony Edwards as he deals with that hip pointer injury. We'll touch on that, but what's happening, everyone? Thanks for joining. Back in the lab, back at it with another T-Wolves postcast episode right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's the man, Jack Borman, on Twitter, at JRBorman13. Jack, before we jump into all the action, quick reminder, this episode, it's brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. All right, brother, let's just jump right into this one. We got a lot to cover. Wolves win it 101-90. They kind of looked a little sluggish right out the gate in this one. They got down 12 early, but end up putting on quite the avalanche, I'll call it, in the second half. Their largest lead of the night was 20 points. They take care of business, continue to stay hot. Let's just start with your biggest takeaways, the major headlines from this one. Another successful night at the Target Center. Yeah, absolutely. It was a really fun night, um, especially to watch uh, you know some of these guys that we haven't seen be able to perform on that level quite yet. Um, you know, really get it done in a major way for the Timberwolves. I, th- I think first off, like the biggest the biggest takeaway in this one has to be what Nikhil Alexander Walker was able to do um, for the Timberwolves in this game. I believe he drew uh, six illegal screen um, mm. six Ill- illegal screens. That's a great um, stat. By my That's count, good. I could be off by, by one there if there was one in the fourth quarter that I missed. Um, and again, just, just probably the best offensive game we've seen from him thus far in a, in a Timberwolves uniform, um, 20 points on eight of 16 shooting four of eight from three, really four of seven with that heave, um, seven assists, five rebounds, five steals. I believe that is a career high for Nikhil Alexander Walker and two blocks. Um, you know, hard, hard to really say, um, or really understate, you know, what he did, uh, or excuse me, it's hard to overstate what he did in this game. Um, you know, I just really appreciated his energy on the defensive end of the floor. He made everything tough um, for, for Jazz rookie Keontae George, who is the uh, first draft pick uh, that is conveyed in that Rudy Gobert trade. Um, did an awesome job holding him to four of 19 shooting. Um, he had 12 points and and only, I believe, uh, nine of those came from the floor. Three of them came at the free throw line. So um, just hounded, hounded George all night long, uh, made every handoff and screen really difficult for, for Utah to execute. Um, so he definitely gets the, the game ball tonight. And then beyond that, um, I, I, you know, I, I don't think any, any of us really needed any reminder, but, uh, but Carl Anthony Towns can absolutely still be that number one score. Um, you know, even on nights when Anthony Edwards is playing, um, you know, just a really efficient game from him. I think that, um, you know, some people might've wondered what the efficiency from Carl would look like, um, with him getting more shots, but he's proven time and again, that he can scale his game up or down. Um, however, this team needs and still still find ways to be extremely efficient. He had 32 points on 22 shots, uh, was four of seven from three, uh, four or five from the free throw line, um, and also had 11 rebounds, four assists, two steals and a block. <laughs> I understand that that the Jazz are missing guys and he's going up against a smaller guy in John Collins, but um, still an awfully impressive performance from him and exactly what the Timberwolves needed. 
Um, you know, and they didn't have Anthony Edwards. They had a very clear plan of getting him the ball and, and going right at John Collins. And he bullied John Collins a couple weeks ago at Target Center as well. So nice to be able to see him stack a couple of, uh, of good performances here against a, a really you know, poor jazz team um, that is, that is certainly rebuilding and, and obviously was missing, you know, its best player and, and one of the truly best players in the league in Lowry marketing, which was a, you know, a big loss for them and not having Jordan Clarkson, another big offensive engine was, was key for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, still just overall another game that, uh, you know, you're just really thrilled that the Timberwolves were, uh, you know, were able to grab firm control of this one and never really let go. And, and again, um, you know, just take care of business against a team that is, uh, certainly inferior to them yeah well said and and you're right man john collins you can just see it you don't need to know a ton of basketball to sit down and watch tonight john collins no match tonight physically down low tonight versus cat and i think when one stud goes down like ant i think it's easy to say okay well it's time for a big rudy game that it doesn't always work like that it's not always that simple but cat like you mentioned just showed out tonight um it was nice to see how nice was it to see him put up a game like this, I guess, like, and also what does it do for the psyche, the confidence to win a game in the way they did without your best player, even if it is like you mentioned versus a below 500 team. Yeah. I, I think for Carl, it's just, um, you know, probably really nice for him just to be able to remind mm-hmm. his teammates too, that like, Hey, you know, I know Ant's a, a great scorer and, and is our number one guy that we look to, to get going offensively. But like, I, I can still do this too. And the other thing is, like, he played a lot of minutes alongside Rudy Gobert tonight. I, I think, you know, Carl had a stretch for about five minutes at the start of the the start of the second quarter, and then another five minute stretch late third, early fourth, where he didn't play with Rudy. But I mean, most of his minutes came, uh, you know, alongside Rudy Gobert, and he was able to prove, you know, yet again tonight that. You know, even with Rudy out there, it's still not really a huge problem for him to be able to score, which is great. I think, you know, he probably drove the ball a little bit too much for for my liking. I think more often than not, when he he wasn't driving the ball, he got the ball in a left box post up and was really attacking, uh, did really well. Um, and then obviously shot the three ball really well. I think, you know, a lot of times when he was pumping and going and didn't quite get past his defender on that first step of that first dribble, um, he really struggled. That's when you saw him you know, throw up some some wild layup attempts and end up on the ground and uh, didn't get back in transition. I want to say it was three or four times where, where Carl was on the ground after a drive and a missed layup that uh, the Jazz scored on the other end playing five on four. So, um, you know, that's something that, that he's got to clean up a little bit, but certainly got to be nice for him to um, you know, be able to, to do it efficiently, right, um, and, and get to his spots on the floor and, and really be a great outlet for, um, you know, for the Timberwolves guards because Utah was, was playing some pretty aggressive um, you know, perimeter defense at the level of the screen and, and Minnesota took full advantage with Carl picking and popping. Yeah. Well said there again. And even in the comment section, winning games, they should win. That's the big difference. And, and, you know, we've said it a lot, but these are the games this team would sometimes find a way to lose last year. And in the sign of any great team, again, turning the corner always starts winning your games at home. Wolves move to nine and one at the target center easily, easily their best start uh, of the franchise, which is just incredible to say out loud. I still can't believe that. Um, coming in, I was I was just really curious tonight what kind of offensive package they'd show with no ant. What would you see on that front tonight outside of, you know, not a big game, Cat had a big game, uh, while Ant's still dealing with uh, that hip injury? Because we talked about how the Wolves need a third scorer on this show. You and I have had that conversation. It was like never more evident 
then one of your stud goes down those first like 10 minutes or so and kind of came to the conclusion, okay, Nas Reed is really going to have to be the guy to carry the brunt of that load tonight. That was my first thought. And then, like you mentioned, Nas goes on to have the game he does. He was superb. But just talk to me, I guess, about what you saw differently tonight offensively than what we're used to seeing with Ant when he's in the lineup. What did we learn tonight as far as that front goes? Yeah, this one isn't really super intuitive, um, but the Timberwolves were awesome in transition. And this is something that, you know, has been kind of odd that, that Ant specifically and the Timberwolves with Ant in the lineup haven't been an awesome transition team this year, that by both by frequency and by um, offensive rating. And tonight we really saw them get out and run. They did an awesome job of outletting the ball after they got stops and after they got defensive rebounds. Um, they also did a great job, you know, converting, uh, you know, live ball steals into points going the other way, especially Nikhil Alexander-Walker. But um, the Timberwolves won the fast break 25-5 to five tonight. It was the second most fast break points they've had in a game this season. Um, the first was when they scored 26 against Utah, I believe, on November 4th. So um, obviously was was probably part of the game plan here against a Utah team that has struggled in transition this year. Um, but yeah, and then, and then again, they tied a season high with 30 assists. I want to say they had 29 with like seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, and then obviously, you know, they, they kind of didn't take the game as seriously as they needed to from there on out. But, um, yeah, I mean, 29 assists on 39 made field goals. They really shared the ball. There really wasn't a whole lot of ISO ball. I think like the most amount of ISO ball we saw was a pump and go from Carl Anthony Towns, which mm -hmm. is really just attacking a closeout, which, you know, I don't necessarily think you'd classify as ISO ball. Um, and you wouldn't classify, you know, a post up in, in an advantageous position as ISO ball either. Um, but obviously that's, you know, some, that, that makes sense without someone that's as good at scoring in isolation as Anthony Edwards is. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I was kind of right there with you that I was thinking it was going to be a good, a good matchup for Nas Reed, just considering that he's so much quicker than both of the, the centers that Utah deployed and Omer Ute seven and, uh, and Walker Kessler. Um, uh, but that just wasn't the case had six points on, on nine shots. So an uncharacteristically, uh, inefficient night from, from Nas. And then beyond that, I mean, really they didn't get a whole lot of scoring outside of outside of Carl and Nikhil, right? And Carl and Nikhil had 52 points. The rest of the roster had 49. Um, so it wasn't a great bench night either. Uh, you know, every single bench guy, I mean, you see Anderson, two of seven, Nas, three of nine, Milton, two of seven, Dacian Nix, one of five. And a lot of those shots were like wide open shots. Um, and, and they got crushed on the bench. I think it was 38 to 18 at bench points. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, you really thought that it was going to kind of be Carl leading the way. And then, you know, you weren't really sure after that, um, you know, Mike Conley was joking after the game the other night saying that he was going to take, you know, 20 shots and replace all that. But then he got in foul trouble, um, you know, missed his first three, uh, three point attempts, which was unfortunate for him. All those were great looks. So, um, I, I think moving like if Ant misses another game, I think you'll see more Mike Conley, um, assuming he's not in foul trouble. Um, but yeah, they just they didn't really replace much of Ant scoring. Um, funny enough, but but yeah, it was great to see them get out and transition and run and and really share the ball. Were uh, were the two biggest takeaways offensively beyond uh, beyond really strong individual games from, from yeah they they end with thirty assists total. So again, like you pointed out, great game there. And I know it's only one game, but how much better do we or should we feel about the bench once this team is fully healthy now? I mean, nah, the game he just had. Troy Brown Jr., man's impressed the last two nights. Slow-mo, Nas, McLaughlin eventually. I mean, just on paper, how much better should, I guess, Wolves fans feel now after seeing what some of these role guys have done the past few games? 
Yeah, and, and I actually just saw a stat correction come in. So the Timberwolves had 29 assists, not 30. So 29 assists on 39 mid shots. But yeah, I, I think you got to feel pretty good about, about the bench depth right now and, and some of the scoring they could get, especially Troy Bond Jr., right? Um, you know, I think he's he's probably the most consistent scoring threat that you could get outside of Nas Reed, I'd think, off the bench. You know, I think Nikhil, you know, really waxes and wanes uh, with his scoring confidence and kind of certain matchups, I think, are, are more conducive to his, him scoring more. Whereas I think, you know, Troy Brown Jr. should always try to get up four or five corner threes a day, corner corner slot threes a game. Um, and he's a guy that can attack closeouts and get to the rim and is probably a, a more bankable bet to to score 10 plus points consistently than to kill Alexander Walker. But the good news is like when you have four guys coming off the bench when this team is fully healthy, you know, if you get two of them to, to get to that double digit mark every night, I think that's that'd be awesome. Right. And mm-hmm. so that kind of gives, you know, all those guys some margin for error, which, again, is just another, uh, you know, another great. I, I guess luxury that you that you can have when when you've got a really deep bench and that you know the pressure isn't quite on all those guys uh, as much as it would be if you know they they had seven really good players and then and then everyone else was kind of a wild card but they really do have nine really solid guys at this point that, that you've got to feel good about which is um, you know something very few very few teams in, in the NBA can say which is. Uh, Obviously, obviously a great thing and bodes well for this team moving forward, especially on nights when Ant may not have it going or Carl may not have it going or, you know, one or both of those guys may be out due to, you know, injury or rest or whatever the case may be. Yeah, Deshaun Dix got a little run. I want to pick your brain about him after an ad here, but last one on the offense real quick. They said it on the broadcast, so it got my wheels turning. It'd just be interesting, kind of fun to see the big boys, Rudy, Cat, and Nas all on the court at the same time. Could that happen? Is it not a good idea? If not, why? Explain that one to me. Yeah, you know, it's something that I, I think Chris Finch is going to be willing to do. Um, so when Chris Finch coached overseas before he came to the NBA and the G League, um, coaching in, you know, all these different places, a lot of his best players were two or three big men. And so he's, he's more than uh, experienced with those types of lineups and how to try to, you know, create an offensive system that can work uh, with those players out there. And the good news is that you have guys like, Nas and Carl, who who can both really shoot the three and play off of each other and um, and coexist pretty pretty peacefully offensively, um, but yeah, I, I think you'd see it in a matchup where uh, a team is going smaller but isn't super quick, like against a Golden State. I think that would be an interesting matchup. Uh, I think you could see it against a team like Memphis um, next week. Hell, you could even see it in a, in, against a team like Charlotte. Um, coming up here where, you know, you, you might not, you're probably not going to have LaMelo ball. And so some of those, um, you know, more of those rotation players are going to be bigger, slower guys um, that you want to try to, you know, match up with, you know, more physically and, and get inside and really pound the paint. Um, so I, I think that obviously the, the downside of it is just the defense. Like if you're, if you're going up against a team that's got some quick guys on the floor, you're probably just going to get beat to the rim. Um, or, or beat running around screens with shooters. We've seen that happen with Carl a few times at the four. Um, so that could certainly happen. Um, but yeah, I think the pros are just, you'd really hope that you'd be able to crash the offensive glass and create second chances. And the Wolves did an awesome job of that, um, you know, with with two bigs on the floor tonight. And so, um, yeah, the hope is just to be able to get into the rim or get into the paint, score in there, and then, um, you know, and then just really physically impose their will defensively and, and use that length to really bother a team that may not have, you know, quick guys on the floor. 
Uh, well said. I got a few more for you on this one, but first, a quick word from our sponsors over at Game Time. Quick reminder, this episode is brought to you by Game Time because you should never have to worry when buying tickets to any big event. That's why Game Time, it's the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets to any local event, concerts, comedy shows, sporting events, even Broadway theater, and with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from the seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Personally, for me, I love that view from the seat feature they offer so I can get a real look, an accurate visual on where my seats are going to be so I know exactly what to expect before spending all that money. And with their all-in prices, Game Time shows you exactly how much you're spending with no hidden fees. It's time to take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app and see for yourself just how easy it is. Create an account. Use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Again, just create any new account. Redeem your code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest prices. Guaranteed. Game Time. Terms apply. Uh, just curious on this one. Coming in, Utah last in the league in turnovers. Wolves 25th in the league in turnovers. Not that much better. Tonight, kind of more of the same. 21-12. to 12. Jazz finished with 20 points off turnovers in this one. Without me looking up every individual stat, I guess, who's been at fault for the Wolves I'm talking about, um, you know, knowing that they rank 25th in the league. Just what's your two cents, I guess, on the turnover struggles for the Wolves thus far? Yeah, I think it's mostly been when guys like Anthony Edwards and Carl and Anthony Towns and Nas Reed try to dribble too much in, in you know heavily congested areas on the floor against a defense that's really packing the paint. Um, so that's obviously a problem. And I think, um, you know, and the Timberwolves just don't really move the ball or don't really, uh, you know, do much with a the possession. Then it gets late clock and you're just kind of throwing the ball around. I think that happens too, um, you know, as well. And, and, and I think really um, – you know, they've they've eliminated a lot of the careless pass turnovers. Um, you know, I think sometimes you saw a few of them tonight when, um, you know, when they were up big and were, weren't just taking things quite as seriously. But they, they had some really big problems with outletting the basketball early in the season, particularly uh, particularly Carl. And he threw a ton of great outlet passes tonight, mm-hmm. which was a, a good sign. So, um, yeah, I think it's really just, you know, trying to pass out of uh, – you know, stack kind of like a stack box, right? Like if a running back can avoid, you know, if a quarterback sees eight in a box and feels good that it's a run blitz, you try to, you try to audible out of that to some type of quick pass to the outside or something like that. It's kind of similar when, you know, you're driving at the top of the key and you see two or three guys right there loaded up on you, you probably want to get rid of the ball so that, you know, you don't dribble into too much traffic to a point where then you can't pass out of it. So um, I think the Timberwolves have been doing a better job of recognizing that. Um, I, I think they, they did it. They've done a good job too of settling in after having bad turnover quarters. I want to say they had like four or five turnovers in the first quarter and then had none in the second quarter. So things like that are really important to see from this team. And, you know, obviously when you have a guy like Mike Conley, who I want to say right now is top five in uh, assisted turnover ratio in the NBA, that'll obviously you know help settle things down. And the same kind of goes for, for someone like Kyle Anderson when Mike Conley is, uh, is off the floor. So 
it's nice to, to at least know that they've got an, a couple of antidotes to to that problem with turning the ball over. Yeah, no, that's a good point there. Hey, what stuck out the most in the Rudy versus Walker Kessler matchup? Obviously, Kessler, the guy the Wolves drafted first round last year, packaged for Rudy. He looked outstanding last year. Rudy struggled, so everyone was obviously very upset about that. Funny how the tides have turned, though, and changed on that front through these first, what, 22 games. Just give me your quick scouting report, kind of recap on that matchup and and how dominant Rudy has been. And I know Walker's been hurt, but still a nice performance from him again tonight. Yeah, I think that, you know, Rudy Gobert is just putting the fear of God in people, right? Um, you know, the <laughs> tell, way that tell he Tell us is, how you really feel, though. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at, I mean, there was a Keontae George possession where he saw, you know, he dribbled baseline, I think, on the, the right baseline, and then saw Rudy Gobert, like, help to him in the short corner, and he just, like, it literally did like Kevin from the office with the chili dropping it all over the floor with the ball. Um, I mean, it's just that type of uh, that type of feeling that he puts in, in, in other people. Right. And um, you know, we saw it against Chet, like he's taking some of these matchups personally. I mean, Rudy Gobert is probably thinking, Hey, they wanted Walker Kessler over me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, you know, who cares about the direction the franchise is going? Like you, you probably take that personally. Right. And um, and so I, I think he's done a really great job of, of making every, you know, all these matchups uncomfortable, right? So when a guy catches the ball in the perimeter, even if they're not a shooting threat, like Walker Kessler isn't, you know, if it's a handoff situation, he's been right there to just kind of make them feel uncomfortable so that, you know, sometimes they put the ball in the deck and no one's there and they kind of start to feel a little loose and comfortable with it. And then Gobert's right there to kind of, you know, switch it up and catch him off guard. And then at the paint, at the rim, um, he's just done such a good job of, of boxing these guys out and keeping them from, from impacting the game on the offensive glass. And then on the offensive end of the floor is where you're honestly kind of seeing it the most, right? Where he hit uh, Kessler with that super nice spin move after an entry pass. I think it was from Carl kind of in the middle of the floor. Uh, he's backed some guys down and dunked on him. We saw that with Chet a couple of times. Um, yeah, I just think that he, he's feeling as confident as he ever has. And I think Part of that is just because, you know, you're seeing the proof of concept with him kind of being the head of the snake of this defense and the defense being the identity of this team. You know, how, how could you not feel confident, right? Like you're on a team that's more talented by far than any of the other Utah teams that mm-hmm. he was on, has a more realistic shot of winning a title. And he's, you know, arguably been the biggest reason why the team is off to this 14 and four start. So when you, when you match health with confidence, with, you know, swagger and, and kind of, you know, um, having some games circled and and just kind of those feelings that that get you going and the and the added adrenaline. I think you just see some of these incredibly dominant um, and discipline too, which is important to to put out there too. Considering you know when you circle a game, you know it might be hard to be disciplined at points, but he he's really uh, you know checked all those boxes and it's been been really fun to watch. I know you guys touched on this topic on the Minnesota basketball party. Go check out that episode every Wednesday, by the way. But is Rudy playing himself into the DPOY right now, Defensive Player of the Year? Like, what's your take on that, how Rudy's been defensively thus far? Um, And again, just give us the 30, 60-second snippet. um, And then again, just a little tease. I feel like everybody can go check out that episode if they missed it from last Wednesday. Yeah, for sure. I I think that if the season ended today, Rudy Gobert would be the defensive player of the year. He's currently the odds on favorite. Um, I think by a good little margin there. Um, What are we talking? Minus 200, minus 250. I I mean, I think it's probably more like minus 110 plus 130. Still the heavy favorite. I I haven't looked at it. 
I haven't looked at it. I just know that he's the favorite. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think the other aspect of it too is just um, the rim deterrence, right? Like I think you can look at his block numbers, re- you know, bouncing back up this year. But, um, you know, when you turn on the film and you see teams just not even wanting to go to the rim or get in the paint because Rudy Gobert is there, mm-hmm. um, that's a massive factor. And then when you see him flying around on the perimeter – um, on switches and, and shutting down, you know, drives from guards and opposing wings that are quicker than him. Um, he's, he's, you know, contesting shots like a madman. He's staying down on pump fakes and then moving his feet when guys try to attack off the catch. I mean, literally anything you could ask him to do, he's done it and he's done it at an incredibly high level. He's done it without fouling. So he's been able to stay in all these games. He's been healthy. He's played in every single game so far for the Timberwolves this season. And, you know, I think this was the seventh time the Timberwolves have held a team under 100 points this year, which is tie. Uh, I think you know tying in with the lead with the Knicks and and Gobert's been, you know, every bit the 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 catalyst for that. So um, yeah, just really hard to deny the impact that he's made on that end of the floor. And and then team success and the Timberwolves being the best defense in the league obviously carry a lot of um, you know weight. carry a lot yeah. of weight towards that that award. For sure. Yeah. Rudy now with at least two blocks in every game this season that leads the NBA. Uh, just real quick, Deshaun Nix got a little bit of run. What's the scouting report on him for people who don't know coming over from Houston this offseason? Yeah, he was seemingly one of the like 10, 6, 5 guards that the Timberwolves acquired this season, this offseason. There's just a, you know, a much bigger, more physical, um, you know, guard that, you know, really kind of likes to you know, bang on the perimeter in a sense of, you know, kind of getting downhill and, and some of the pick and roll and um, and get physical and um, and play in the paint is uh, something that, that he did really well with, with G League Ignite. Uh, he's got pretty good shot mechanics, um, which is, which is you know, obviously something that's important. He, he missed a few open ones tonight, but was able to um, to knock down that, that corner three finally, which had to feel good for him. Um, but yeah, just a really big physical guy that's, that's good at using his size to his advantage, especially when he's driving, um, has a good amount of length too, and can make some, some good passes at, at different angles, which has been important. Not, not the best defender in the world is a little slow of, of feet, uh, on that end, but, um, but yeah, I definitely, uh, like the pickup there for, for the wolves, especially considering, you know, how it's played out with McLaughlin being hurt and shake Milton, not, not giving you the, the best minutes he, he can. So, um, yeah, it'll be fun to fun to see him, uh, you know, be able to potentially contribute here if, if Anthony Edwards misses another game or you see one of those two, uh, Conley or, or Milton, get into foul trouble. Two more quickies to close, but first, quick word from FanDuel. Quick reminder, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line wager. That means all you got to do is find the best money line bet you like, wager $5, you win that bet, you're getting $150 in bonus bets back. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on all the action. The app, it's so easy to use. And they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, you name it. FanDuel's got it. They got everything you need to bet on the entire NBA season. And again, it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Today, America's number one sportsbook, FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. 
Last couple before I wrap up here. Wild to think we're already over a quarter of the way through this season. That that can't be right. There's no way. But uh, apparently, Wolves' next five games. Here you go. At Charlotte, without Lamelo, as you mentioned. Spurs at home, who have really kind of fallen back down to earth. I think they're 3-14 and 14 right now. At Memphis, who we just saw. At the Pelicans. And then at Dallas. So four of five on the road, but a combined winning percentage of just 384. Can they carry this momentum with them now, the Wolves that is, on the road? What do you think? Yeah, I think they can for sure. I mean, you see these uh, these next four, um, or, or I, I guess you started with tonight, and then um, oh, you know the yep. next, next four, whatever it was, were against teams that weren't, um, you know, obviously weren't great, uh, like you said. And then uh, and then 11 of 15 on the road. And I think all 11 of those, those games are against playoff caliber teams. So yeah, it'll be really exciting to see what this team looks like against, you know, a fully loaded Pelican squad that, uh, that those two teams played an amazing game, uh, right around Christmas time last year, where Zion set a career high with like 43 points and scored like 15 points in the last, like two minutes of the game, which was insane. Um, so I think it'll be a really good test of, you know, I, I don't want to say like how legit this team is, because I think we know that this is a, a really formidable team, especially with the wins over you know, the likes of a fully loaded Celtic squad, I guess, minus Derek White. But the Nuggets were fully loaded. The, the Thunder were fully loaded. So they played a lot. The, the Knicks were fully loaded. So they played a lot of really good teams um, and played really well in those games. Um, but I think to be able to to string those types of, of games and performances together on the road, when you're tired and you're not home and you're not able to maybe access the same, um, you know, facilities and recovery that, that you might when you're at home um, is going to be a great test of this team. But I think, you know, if you want to try to look for a positive in an extended road stretch like that is I think if you're able to, you know, let's say 11 of those 15, if you're able to go, you know, let's call it six and five or seven and four sure. in those games. Yeah. I think that's a really positive development. And then too, you know, this team hasn't spent a ton of time on the road together. You know, obviously they're in Abu Dhabi, which was probably a great team bonding experience for them. But, but considering that they've only really had one prolonged road trip so far um, and some of those games weren't as you know competitive as we thought they might be, uh, this will just be a really good experience for the, for the guys to just spend more time together, get to know each other a little bit better off the floor um, you'll be able to talk a lot more basketball than you do because you're just together more on the road than you are when you're at home and guys kind of go home after games and do their own thing and, and all that type of all that type of stuff. So um, I, I certainly think they can keep it going. And defense is normally something that travels if you bring that kind of that same energy and effort that they've been bringing on a nightly basis. And I think, no, there's probably some intrinsic you know, I've got to play better. I've got to step it up or I've got to play harder, um, you know, on the road than, than maybe you do at home, um, especially against a team that, uh, you know, is a playoff caliber team um, that you could see, especially in the Western Conference, like like uh, especially like a team like New Orleans, that's given them problems in the past. So it'll be a great test. Uh, it'll be a ton of awesome basketball, I think. Um, and certainly, you know, win, win or lose, I, I think it'll be, you know, just an eye-opening, eye-opening stretch for this team and how they're able to respond to, you know, some some adversity on the schedule, um, and then you know, just having to string it together against really good teams back to back to back to back to back because that's what that's what you got to do in the playoffs. So, I'm right, just excited to see how the how the team responds. Yeah, insane that like 17 and four is even a realistic possibility. Like that's on the table somehow. You tell any Wolves fan that before and then you, the season started, it's like, wait a minute, what's, uh, and then happen. that happens. And then, you know, if you're 17 and four, you're 13, again, 13 games above 500. 
Then if you go 500 the rest of the regular season, it's crazy. You know, it's you're crazy. looking at a 50. I, I don't know. I what is it? 52 and no, uh, whatever. I, it's too hard for 50, like 47 and 35 or something yeah, high like 40s. that, which yeah, would be, 40s. which would for sure be enough to, to host a first round playoff series. So they've done a great job of taking advantage of, you know, of some of the more generous scheduling gifts they've gotten with, you know, opposing stars being out that it, it gives you some more margin for error while you're still kind of learning about yourselves when you go on a road trip like this. Yeah, and and it would be enough to hit the over right on the season total win total. Was for it forty six? I believe so. Yeah, I know we talked about that with yeah. you and Ben Beacon a little bit and Tyler. I'm almost positive forty six, forty six and a half, something right around there. Uh, last one, then we'll get out of here. What's going around around the rest of the league? Like, what stuck out to you over the NBA the last few days? Forty eight, seventy two hours, kind of the Wolves and their spot in the West right now. Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, the way Denver's been able to stay afloat without Jamal Murray has been really yeah. impressive. Um, just considering that I, I wasn't super bullish on their on their depth. I was more bearish there. And um, they, they just keep turning out wins when Nikola Jokic is in the lineup, man. He is he is unbelievable. But they just beat a Clippers squad that was playing everybody in the Nuggets didn't have Jokic, uh, Murray or Aaron Gordon. And they still found a way to win that game. So um obviously you know tip your cap to them i think the mavericks still staying afloat uh after that hot start uh playing some pretty terrible teams um they're they're kind of starting to find uh, a lot of rhythm with Kyrie and luca and then the suns have just uh been a completely different team with devin booker in the lineup they're still without bradley beal um so that's another you know kind of part of that fork that uh that they can they can stick in the offensively when they get going um so booker i think is is probably at this point the second best player in the in the western conference right now which is an, incredible to say and and then the kings have just been a, a super fun team right there behind them in the sixth spot and then after that you know i i think we're kind of seeing the rockets come back down to earth a little bit we're seeing the warriors just in a complete free fall that it has everyone just you know going to defcon one or defcon five whatever the whatever the most serious one is <laughs> whatever the worst um, one is yeah and uh so that's been that's been crazy to see um, but yeah, I think the, I, I think the teams, the wolves are really going to have to watch out for are the Pelicans and the Suns, Um, and, and cause I, I, th- and, and the Kings too, I, I think, you know, those three teams are the ones that are going to give the wolves the most problems if they see them in a playoff series, just with how much speed and quickness and force all those teams play with and, and how they can really spread you out and shoot the ball from all over the floor. Um, so it'd be really fun to kind of see more of this conference take shape. I think, um, you know, as every team kind of has some opportunities to have, you know, really easy part of their schedule, really tough part of their schedule. Um, and then also work out some of the, the injuries that they've had. Like the Pelicans have been super injured to this point. Um, the Suns have been pretty injured to this point. Um, so it'll be interesting to, to kind of see what all those teams look like when when they're kind of fully constituted and get a little bit of a runway to, to find a rhythm and uh, and start to figure out, you know, who they're going to be as teams for for the you know majority of the season and, and down the stretch into the playoffs. Yeah, well said. Well done tonight, as always. Always love talking Wolves with you. They moved to 14-4. and four. Maybe most importantly, though, like we talked about, gain some confidence knowing they can still put on a show, put on a clinic without the help of Anthony Edwards. Huge game from non-cat tonight. As always, huge shout-out to everyone who joined us on tonight's postcast. Rest assured, we'll be back each and every game, same time, same place, right here to break it all down. Quick reminder as well, go check out all Jack's work on Twitter, at JRBorman13. That's going to do it for us tonight, though. Next on deck, it's the Hornets this Saturday, tip-off, 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. Join us again right here. 
for the entire recap. Follow all our work over on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. And one more plug, if you haven't already, go check out Ben Beacon over on the Lockdown Wolves podcast as well. He's Jack Foreman. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Until next time, signing out.